Welcome to the Liberty Leadership in Lies with Larry Linton podcast. For those of you who are new listeners, this podcast will be about exactly what the title implies. We will discuss the state of liberty in our republic today and how it is being eroded by the very institution that was created by our founding fathers to protect it, which is the government that now hates us. We'll also discuss the many different types and styles of leadership that exist today, but more frequently we'll talk about how our republic is best served by true servant leadership in elected office. On the topic of lies, we will discuss the many pervasive lies that are told in society today, and not only by our government, but their willing partners in the news media, social media, and tech sectors. These lies, they're designed to rob us of our liberty and destroy our trust in and reliance on the founding principles of our nation and its constitution. I will also use a portion of each episode to discuss my election campaign to represent Tennessee's House of Representatives, District 12. And what I hope to accomplish with my campaign is just basically a couple of things. I want to bring to Nashville an example of what following an oath to the Constitution looks like. And this is based upon my 30 years of service to our nation in the United States Navy. Additionally, once I am in Nashville, I would like to restore the state's role as the creator of and the parent to the federal government. What a lot of people don't realize is that our federal government is not a party to our Constitution, but it is a product of the Constitution. And this Constitution is a charter between all of the states that empowers the federal government with certain and extremely limited powers, such as providing for the common defense and to regulate trade. We can also discuss any tactics or techniques the listeners may have in the fight to restore our nation's founding principles when engaging with what has apparently become the people's enemy over the course of generations now, and that is the government that, one, hates us, and two, only sees us as the means to obtain and maintain power. If you would like to contact the show, just send an email to Larry at LibertyLeadershipAndLies.com. You can also subscribe to my blog there at the website. Additionally, even at the website, you can contribute to my campaign. You can find the podcast and the campaign on social media. Just search for Larry for TN12 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for the campaign info and Liberty Leadership and Lies with Larry Lynn for the podcast social media pages. I'm also on Telegram as Liberty Leadership and Lies. I will be recording the show either from the Goat Locker Studio in Sevierville, Tennessee, or on remote locations where my consulting business or election campaign takes me. Welcome back to another episode of the Liberty Leadership and Lies with Larry Linton podcast. This week's episode, we'll be talking about liberty. The usurpers of liberty are relentless in their pursuit of radically transforming our constitutional republic into a pure democracy, like I've told you many times. But I'll borrow a phrase here that we have heard a lot since 2008. It's being tossed back and forth by the major political parties at each other. And that is, elections have consequences. They always have. Do you want to know what has an even bigger impact on elections than the blatantly obvious cheating that happened in the 2020 presidential election? Participation does. There is no way that ballot box stuffing or the electronic changing of votes could possibly overcome a greater than 80% participation rate. I know we've discussed this before, but with the election season upon us once again, it needs to be stated over and over again. Until we all, once again, 
participate in our system of self-governance through the power of voting, we will never regain our liberty. For an example of the apathy that is prevalent in our electorate, in December of 2020, there were more than 66,000 registered voters in Sevier County. Do you want to know how many people voted in the August 2020 elections? Less than 12,500. That is a participation rate of 18.5%. Nearly half of the 12,389 people that voted either voted early or by absentee ballot. That means just over 6,000 people showed up on election day. 6,000. 6,000 out of 66,000 registered voters made an effort to show up at the polls on election day. Mind you, the August 2020 elections are the county and state level elections, not the elections for federal office. The level of government that has the biggest impact on the everyday lives of residents here in Sevier County has a significantly less level of involvement by the voters. These are the elections that determine the members of the school board, too. School boards that have become rubber stamps for an agenda that is sexualizing and demonizing the children in our government schools. These local and state offices are supposed to be occupied by the people that are meant to stand in the gap between the citizens and the overreach of the federal government, and often the state government. These are the offices we should all care about more. These candidates that are running for those offices require the most vetting or the most investigation of their previous votes, or in the case of a first-time candidate like myself, to ask more questions of. Besides our responsibility to protect our own liberties, local and state government under the federal and state constitutions are also the protectors of liberty. I will always take the time to make myself available to hear the concerns and questions from the people that entrust me to represent them at the state level. But that's not usually the case for our current crop of elected officials. Heck, not even the current crop, but elected officials going back decades. As I said, I will always find the time to be available to them. If you are listening to this podcast and have a question about anything to do with my campaign and my plans once I get to Nashville, send me an email. Specifically, those residents that reside in House District 12 here in Sevier County. Once again, the email address for the campaign is larry-for-tn12 at protonmail.com. Larry-for-tn12 at protonmail.com. Also, if you have any questions about the podcast or would like to hear more on a certain topic, just send an email to larry at libertyleadershipandlies.com. Larry at libertyleadershipandlies.com. Now, this voter participation rate is, and has always been, troubling. The usurpers of liberty in our state and our federal capitals rely on this to keep their hands on the reins of power and control in our state and in our nation. Let me ask you all this. What phrase is dominating the news cycle right now, based upon the ineptitude of Biden? And it's especially on the conservative or right-leaning news media outlets. Well, it is that phrase, red wave or red tsunami. Just how are we going to get there with a less than 50% voter participation rate, especially with the participation in off-presidential year elections? Couple that with a proven ability to alter the outcome elections through various methods we were all witness to in the 2020 presidential election. This so-called red wave will be nothing but a ripple unless people actually get out and vote, especially at the local level. Of course, there's reporting that there's an enthusiasm gap for the communists, their enablers, and useful idiots. But the same was true in 2020, right? I was in a discussion on that topic just last week with a person on one of my social media pages. 
She was saying that the lack of political signs in people's yards and along the sides of roads is not indicative of an enthusiasm gap. That's only half true. Look around Sevier County right now and you cannot escape these political signs. Some of mine are even up. Does that mean there's a lot of enthusiasm for the candidate that has the most signs up? Well, yes and no. It really depends on a few factors or a couple of factors. Where are the signs located? That's the most important factor. If they are on people's private property, that means the individual most likely picked one up from the candidate. If they are on public property, well, that means the candidate or one of their volunteers placed it there. Private property signs are indicative of enthusiasm. Public property signs are indicative of the amount of money a candidate has spent on the advertising, not enthusiasm. So signage may or may not be a way to judge voter enthusiasm. Our county in particular, because the number of candidates that are running unopposed in this month's county, local, and primary elections, hundreds of signs everywhere for candidates that have zero chance of being defeated in the election. 32 of the 55 candidates are running unopposed in this May 3rd election. 58% of the offices being voted on, ladies and gentlemen, do not have any competition. Yet those same people that are running unopposed have signs up all over the county. And that is just on the GOP side. There are zero candidates running as a Democrat for any of the 55 offices. So there's no Democrat signs at all. And plenty of these signs that are up have the word Republican on them because the electorate typically votes along party lines. Most of the voters do not realize the damage these political parties are doing to our constitutional republic and to our state. I believe the same thing is happening all over the country, especially in counties where they have single-party domination, like Sevier. Lots of unopposed candidates from the dominant party that have signs up everywhere. So let's get back to the discussion about enthusiasm for candidates. This person was partly right in that signs are not truly indicative of enthusiasm about a candidate if they are all over on public property. Again, I said if the signs are on private property, it is a good indication about enthusiasm for the candidate. Now let's think back to the 2020 election and the signs you saw where you live. Signs on public versus private property. The current resident of the White House did not have very many signs up on private property. I traveled through several states leading up to that election. Blue ones, red ones, and purple ones. Most notably through West Virginia, Ohio, Virginia, Tennessee, and Pennsylvania. Voter enthusiasm was definitely not on the side of the child-sniffing ice cream connoisseur during that election. Yet here we are, especially in Virginia and Pennsylvania. But how did we get here at this point in time? Or more appropriately... Why are we right now at a point in our republic's history where we have a fraudulently elected president of the United States and a bunch of trans publicans in our General Assembly? Well, it's because of an average 60% voter turnout. That's why. This low participation rate enables the flood of fraudulent vote-by-mail and absentee ballots without signature verifications to be counted. We are a long way off from ensuring the integrity of our elections in this nation and... There are many ways to get there, but first we have to start by getting every eligible legal citizen to show up on election day and vote. Once the participation rate is up, then the reforms needed to our electoral process can be made. Because with enough people paying attention to the candidates, we can ensure true constitutionalists are put in office that will ensure legislation is passed to restore election integrity measures. Speaking of election integrity measures in our General Assembly... Three bills were filed in the General Assembly this year that dealt with election integrity. Well, we all know what that means. 
The trans publicans in Nashville are very adept at usurping our liberty instead of protecting it, as stated in their oath of office. The first bill introduced was Senate Bill 1939. It was introduced on the 25th of January, and its companion bill in the House, HB 2112, was introduced on the 28th of January. These bills would have established an Office of Election Integrity to perform and supervise election audits. Well, there's not been any movement on these bills since the 5th of this month. It has been deferred or moved to later in the Senate's state and local government committee calendar four times already. Other than adding sponsors to the bill on the House side, there's been no movement there since the 2nd of February. That is how the Transpublicans work. Legislation to protect our elections which is a very important concern to the representatives' constituents back in their districts, is slow-walked and then killed in subcommittee or committee. The Transpublicans do not want to work on something that will restore confidence in our elections. Why? Well, because right now our election system works for them and not us. Our electoral process, yes, even here in Tennessee, is horrendously messed up. I hope you all listened to the weekend update where I talked about some of the shenanigans of the state GOP. The General Assembly's actions that tie right back to the state Republican Party's way of doing business. More on the state GOP's action and how its impact can be felt right here in Sevier County. But let's get back to the election integrity legislation in the General Assembly now. It is now apparent that the Transpublicans do not want a statewide office of election integrity. The other bill that was introduced was House Bill 2123 and its companion Senate Bill 2195. Both of those introduced on the 31st of January. These bills require the state coordinator of elections to procure a vendor that produces paper ballots containing a unique voter identification prior to the 2024 election cycle and authorize their use in counties upon request for purposes of voting in 2024. Don't you just love that little caveat they slipped in there? The authorize their use in a county upon request part. Knowing full well that there will be counties that will not request these paper ballots. A paper trail is a sure way to identify fraud if, and that's a big if, if a forensic investigation is ever conducted. If you know what I'm talking about. So those bills were introduced on the 31st of January. Well, the Senate version was withdrawn from consideration on the 1st of February. That may be a record right there, folks. Only one day to kill a bill in the Senate of the General Assembly. On the House side... It has been languishing in the Elections and Campaign Finance Subcommittee since the 7th of February. The declared Republicans on that subcommittee outnumber the Communists 6-2. to And there is absolutely no interest in working towards restoring confidence in our elections or establishing measures that would make it harder to cheat. No interest whatsoever. Do you see how easily these trans-Publicans work to erode our liberties? The final election integrity piece of legislation that was introduced had to do with foreign interference and influence in our electoral process, specifically with campaign contributions and advertisements by foreign individuals, companies, and governments. Of course, that one has moved a bit further, but no action has been taken since the end of March. The General Assembly, through their actions, or should we say inaction, is demonstrating just how much they care about the integrity of our electoral process right here in Tennessee. Other states around the nation have taken action to make it easier to vote but harder to cheat, but not all of them. Why is it so hard to pass legislation like this at the state level? Because the entrenched political parties, on a national and state level, for the most part do not want to see the power shift back to us, we the people. 
They have grown quite comfortable exercising power that is obtained through either fraudulent elections and the apathy, as well as the voter participation rate in our electoral process. Now, I know that I am facing an extremely uphill battle in seeking elected office as not only an outsider here in Sevier County, but I am also fighting against the stigma that comes from being an independent candidate. Both political parties rely on an uninformed electorate to brand such candidates as bad for the party as a whole. For the most part, independent candidates, again, not all of them, are either libertarian or constitutionalist in their political leanings. Of course, there are the extremely fringe minority parties who are quickly absorbed into the Democrat, I mean, Communist Party, but the major political parties do not want the electorate to even consider the independents because it will weaken their hold on power. Then there are the cases like Robbie Starbuck and Curtis Carney, people that are Republicans, true Republicans, but they are not part of the good old boy network of the state's GOP and therefore need to be removed from the ballot. It is a prime example of how the state's Republican Party relies on an uninformed electorate to vote straight party lines without even examining the candidates. I just finished reading a piece at the Tennessee Star that twisted the interpretation of the Tennessee State Republican Party bylaws in favor of removing candidates from the ballot in the Republican Party primaries. Just like the communists have, There are media enablers on the trans-publican side of the political spectrum that will come to the aid of their allies. Defending these bylaws probably as some sort of quid pro quo between the state Republican Party and the Tennessee Star. But I can only speculate on that. But let's look at a single case here in Sevier County and use the Tennessee Republican Party chairman's own words and see if they match up with reporting. I'm referring here to another candidate that entered the race to represent House District 12. This young lady's name is Mariah Bailey. She picked up a petition to run as a Republican and compete in the primary election against our currently serving representative, Mr. Dale Carr, on the 28th of March of this year. She completed the petition and turned it in with enough qualifying signatures in just three days. It's pretty impressive in my mind. After all, it took me longer to do the same thing, as well as it did Mr. Carr. Mine was due to the fact that I was out of town for the majority of the time that I was obtaining signatures, but Mr. Carr who has served in the same seat for 12 years now, well, it took him a little over two weeks to get his petition in. That's a little bit longer than three days, right? Anyway, Ms. Bailey got her petition in, and based upon the bylaw rule of having to vote in three out of the last four primaries, and her being too young to have voted in that many primaries, she asked for a waiver for that rule. Mr. Scott Goldwyn, the chairman of the state GOP, when interviewed about that qualifying requirement, stated that waivers would be granted for people that were too young to meet the three of four primary vote requirements. Specifically, when addressing the requirement and concerns brought up by State Senator Briggs, specifically regarding members of the armed forces that would not be able to meet that requirement, stated, and I quote, waivers will be available to service members that fit Briggs' description, as well as candidates who are new and voted previously in a different state, or, here's the lie, Candidates who were too young to vote in all the required races, unquote. Well, Miss Bailey was not even granted the waiver. She's a lifelong resident of the county, but is not old enough to meet the three out of four primary vote requirements. So now she needed to be vouched for. Miss Bailey was vouched for by unanimous vote of the Sevier County GOP leadership that she was indeed a bona fide Republican. That meant it was then up to Mr. Goldwyn and two other members of the State Executive Committee to approve. You know that if I'm talking about it, it means that the State GOP leadership voted no 
on allowing Ms. Bailey to run in the primary election as a member of the Republican Party. She was disqualified for running and is removed from the ballot. Not only was she not granted a waiver that Mr. Golden publicly stated would be available to members too young to meet the primary voting requirement, her bona fides were rejected at the state level despite the county level GOP stating that she was a bona fide Republican. Three people in far off Nashville determining who can and cannot run in a local election. Even though had Miss Bailey beat Dale Carr in the Republican primary and ended up being my opponent in the general election, this doesn't sit right with me and it goes along with my belief that the major political parties are quite adept at ensuring they control the access and outcomes of elections. They are controlling how and when the people get to exercise their liberty, their freedom to participate in our system of self-governance. The whole party, state and national, is corrupt. They actively participate in measures meant to deny the people their liberty. I mentioned in the weekend update that I messaged the state party over their shenanigans with Mr. Robbie Starbuck, and now I've been in contact with Ms. Mariah Bailey, I contacted them about her as well. I'm quite sure that this is not unique to Tennessee. So you voters out there that are straight party line voters in your state and local elections, you need to take a really long, hard look at your state Republican Party's actions. There is no wonder that Republicans are constantly on the defense because the state level leadership is more about their buddies in office, access to certain media outlets, PAC contributions, than they are about the liberty of the citizens. For them the national parties, it isn't about the Constitution. It's about obtaining and maintaining power. That power is obtained by reducing the liberty of the citizens and the citizens have been allowing this for far too long because of our apathy. Like me, I hope that you will all contact your state political party's leadership and let them know just how corrupt they are. It's time for something different. For the residents of Sevier County, I am that something different. I'm not beholden to any special interest group, political action committees, corporate donors, or a political party. I'm not running for office to represent any of them. I am running for office to represent the citizens and restore a government that serves the people, not the other way around. As we've discussed before, the other way these transpublicans erode our liberty is through legislation and taxes. They use our sweat equity as the carrot and stick to get compliance. They vote to spend our tax dollars, not in the preservation of liberty and protecting the rights of the citizens, but to purchase more access and control through private organizations. We talked on the show previously about the tax dollars spent to entice Ford Motor Company to build the Blue Oval City over in West Tennessee, and then Ford turning right around and using their foothold in the state to reward unions and companies in their home state of Michigan. Also, Ford was going to follow federal and not state guidelines with regard to the participating in the farce of the mask and vaccine mandates. Well, there are a couple more items that the General Assembly just passed that squanders our sweat equity and does nothing to benefit the citizens of the entire state. What we'll talk about today is the new football stadium for the Tennessee Titans NFL team. As a baseline, voters here in Tennessee need to know that the proposed budget for fiscal year 2023 totals $52.5 billion from all revenue sources. That represents an increase of 2.5%, or $1.3 billion, above estimates for the current fiscal year. Get this, though. The funding is a mix of 50% state dollars, 38% federal funding, and 12% from tuition or other sources. 
Almost 40% of the budget comes from federal funding. I just love how that's reported, trying to convince us all that the benevolent federal government is providing that much money to our state. What most people don't realize is that money was first taken from the citizens in this state in the form of federal income taxes. Through that unconstitutionally passed, liberty and federalism destroying 16th Amendment. It was our money in the first place, and both the federal and state governments, through our apathetically elected representatives, are playing Santa Claus with money they robbed from us. Anyway, the General Assembly's House and Senate Finance Committees approved different versions of the budget Wednesday, with the House plan containing $500 million in bonds for the Titans to build a $2 billion domed facility next to the Nissan Stadium on Nashville's East Bank. So let's get this straight. Our state government is using funds that most Tennesseans provide in the form of taxes, and they're going to help build a stadium that will primarily benefit a sports league and businesses in the state's capital. Did you know that Sevier County is at or near the top of all areas of sales tax revenue for the entire state? Granted, a lot of tourists pay those taxes, but so does every resident in Sevier County. Just how is a dome stadium for a sports team in a sports league hundreds of miles away going to benefit the residents of Sevier County? Not much, if at all, yet here we are. The Transpublicans in Nashville are using our sweat equity to pay off or subsidize a special interest group that is flush with money, subsidizing them by giving them a half a billion dollars of the sweat equity of every citizen in this state that will only benefit one particular region of the state. Why is our state government in the business of helping to build a new stadium? It's just another example of government usurping our liberty and putting their hand on the scales of picking winners and losers by working hand in glove with special interest groups. Show me in our Constitution where they have the authority to do that. Show me in their oaths where they can protect the liberty of only the citizens of a certain part of the state and not every citizen. If the NFL and the Tennessee Titans want to build a stadium, let them build it with their money, not the money of the citizens through tax dollars. That is how a free market system is supposed to work. Oh, don't worry though. The usurpers of liberty have also decided to increase the tax burdens on the citizens of Nashville to build a stadium as well. The commies of the Metro Nashville government are seeking approval of a one-cent increase in the hotel motel tax, which is now at 6%, to pay any debt incurred in the building of the stadium. Now, when they state that any debt that Metro Nashville incurs, it means that the debt the government incurs with the citizens of the area as the people who will be paying the debt. Funny how that works, right? To be fair, the Titans' debt measure was removed from the Senate version through an amendment by Senate Majority Leader Jack Johnson, but there's follow-on news about that. Senator Johnson most likely only did that because he is facing a primary challenger this election season, a dedicated conservative. But Senate sources state that the measure will be reinserted in a conference committee once each chamber approves a budget plan. The Transpublicans are doing this to allow Senator Johnson to publicly state that he fought against the measure while his buddies worked to get it back in the budget. In other words, so he could be seen as fighting it, knowing that it would pass anyway. That's how the General Assembly works, folks. They work against the interests of their constituents and for the interests of everybody else. Look at the major contributors to the campaigns of those currently serving in elected office. That is the indicator of how these people will actually vote. Look at the people contributing to Dale Carr's election campaign as compared to the donations I have received. Not one single corporation, special interest group, 
business or political party has contributed to my campaign. Just family, friends, and former shipmates from my time in the Navy. People that actually know me and also know that I will follow my oath. In closing this week, I would like to leave you all with this from God's Word. Today it comes to us from Luke eleven, thirty-three. No one lights a lamp, then hides it or puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. The citizens of Sevier County need to not only let their light shine by participating in our own self-governance, but they need to be a light to the rest of the state and the nation. Working together, we can restore servant leadership to the halls of government. We can restore a system of government where it is the voters' interests and needs that are served rather than the wants and desires of the political parties, big corporations, or political action committees. Trust me, all of those have proven time and again that their wants, desires, and interests do not align with those of the citizen, those of a free people. In fact, they often work contrary to the liberty-defending principles of our constitutional republic. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.